episode two of Mercy House University podcast's new topic, Does Prayer Work? And today we're going to be looking at another question in that vicinity. And Austin's going to be taking point on this question. The question is more about our knowledge of prayer. And Austin, do you want to take it from there? Sure. Thanks, Patrick. Um, Our main question on this episode... (laughs) is how do I know if something happens because I prayed for it? For it. So if we assume that petitionary prayer is, is efficacious, that prayer works, then that is we know that God, what we can know is that God does respond to prayer in some way and that prayer does alter events in the world. But how do we know if any particular prayer has been successful? Uh, It seems like a good place to start with this issue is um, something we touched on a little bit last week, but uh, it's the the issue of, like, so under what conditions would we be justified in saying that something happened because we prayed for it? What does that really mean? Yeah, so that means uh, a couple different things. It means, uh, one, if we had not prayed for something, it would not have happened. But it also means that if the thing happened, it's not just a coincidence, but it happens that, that your praying is one of the reasons or causes for it happening. So say you pray for something. Say you pray for a good grade in an exam, or maybe you pray for your favorite team to win the World Series. So I'm going to use baseball references for Patrick's sake. Uh, so you get back your results, and you got an A on the exam. Or, you know, your, your favorite team, the Giants, they go on and they win the first four games of the World Series and take the victory unchallenged. Mm. Now, in this situation, you prayed for X, say the good grade or, or the World Series outcome, and X happened. But why did that thing happen? Did it happen because you prayed for it? Or would it have happened anyway? And therefore, it's simply a coincidence that it just happened to be you got a good grade or just happened to be that the Giants are doing really good this year. Some people think that for any particular event, God could have other reasons for bringing it about other than our praying for it. And because we can't know whether or not God brought it about because of that prayer specifically or for some other good reason, it's hard for us to know whether or not that thing happened because we prayed for it. So in order for us to be justified in believing that something happened because we prayed for it, it must be the case that it wouldn't have happened otherwise. So we pray that the Giants win the World Series. Well, if we hadn't prayed that, they, w- they don't win. Right? We don't pray for it, they don't win. Or, at the very least, they don't win quite so spectacularly. You know, they eke it out in the seventh game. And then just to put in this caveat that Patrick mentioned last time, so the counterfactual condition, if we hadn't prayed for it, it wouldn't happen. There are some like technical counterexamples to that that we're gonna we're just kind of glossing over. Um, so we're we're thinking about like well, in an ordinary case, that would that would at least be true in an ordinary case of effective prayer. Can we have certainty that our prayers are making a difference? Yeah. So this brings up a a question. Some some of these questions about knowledge, right? We talked about this with this episode. It's really focusing on. So we talked about prayer working, but. How do we know that it works? But not just in general, but how do we know any one particular prayer works? Right. Can we know that? And so this brings up some, some bigger questions in the field of epistemology, which is the study of knowledge. Yeah, because you, uh, <clears throat> you might think after you listened to the last episode, 
you might think, oh, now I know that in general, God answers some petitionary prayers. But you might think also, but I have no idea which prayers he answers and which ones he doesn't. And so for any given prayer I pray, I can't know whether or not it was answered. And that you might still feel some comfort by knowing that God's answering some prayers, but also feel a little bit disconcerted by the fact that you can't ever figure out whether any prayers you pray in particular were were being answered, right? Yeah. Like you might go your whole life praying prayers and, and for all you know, every single one of them went unanswered. So I'm going to give a few different ways of thinking about this. At, at one level, I'm going to say, yes, I think that's, that's actually true, that we can't have certainty that any one particular prayer has been answered. But I don't think that's a problem. So, so let me first say why I don't think we can necessarily have that kind of certainty. Um, and then say why I don't think that's a problem. So this brings up a general problem about causality. How do we know something is the cause of something else? Okay, so according to Hume, we have two kinds of knowledge. We have knowledge of logical relations and math, and math right? So 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's just something we can know. We don't have to experience that in the world. We can just know that that's the case. But everything else that we know about the world, that the sky is blue, that cheeseburgers taste good, I don't know, all, the, all these things come through experience. And so those he calls matters of fact. And matters of fact are these states of affairs and events in the world that we, we know through experience. But our experience only gives us a sense of the regularity of things in the world. So every time in the past that I have done X, Y has then happened, right? Y has occurred. So there seems to be this relationship between X and Y. Uh, every time the baseball goes flying at the batter and he swings the bat and it makes connection with the ball, the ball redirects in some way. But just because we've seen this thing happen over and over again in the past doesn't give us certainty. It do doesn't tell us that for sure it's going to happen again in the future. So next time he swings the bat and it hits the ball, maybe the ball explodes into a million pieces. Maybe it turns into a, a bunny or something. I don't know. Anything. All these things are possible. They're very unlikely. Mm -hmm. we, don't ex we don't actually expect them to happen based on our experience of the past. But our experience of the past can't rule them out as being impossible. So what you're not having here is a causal relationship between these two things that gives you certainty that every time this thing happens, this other thing must happen. It just tends to be the case that when one thing happens, the other thing also happens. Yeah, I mean, a simple way to put it is that you don't see causes, right? You don't see causal relations between events or things. You just see right. this thing happen and that thing happen and a similar thing happen and another similar thing happen. And it seems like the first thing is causing the second thing. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like there's actually two different issues here that are related. Mm -hmm. And one is, one is the problem of how do we know, given that, you know, events of one type have always in the past been followed by events of another type, how do we know that that's going to continue to be true in the future? That's one problem. And then the other problem is, how do we know that when events of one type are always followed by events of another type, that that's because the events of one type are causing events of the other type? Yeah. So you got kind of like two related problems there. And so is your thought here that these kinds of problems apply to the 
to prayer in that it's it, just as it's hard for us to know things about ordinary causation, it's going to be at least that hard to know things about like this special kind of causation where we wonder whether our prayers cause things to happen in the world. Yes, that's that's the point that we we. We don't have that kind of certainty about yeah, causation. Partic in particular, you were picking on the idea that we could have certain knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Can you maybe say a little bit more about Oops, the idea of certain knowledge? Is certain knowledge just uh, knowledge that like leaves absolutely no room for doubt or something like that? Or Yes, that's kind of what I have in mind here. So in the sense that 2 plus 2 equals 4, right? And that's why I think Hume draws this, this distinction. That's always going to be the case. It has to be that way, right? It can't, 2 plus 2 cannot equal 5. There's no world in which 2 plus 2 could equal 5, because it would, it would be a logical impossibility. Whereas there are all sorts of worlds we can imagine where the kinds of seemingly causal relationships we have in this world are not the case, where instead of gravity holding things down, people fly up or, you know, you, so yeah, instead of dropping a ball and it drops to the ground, it shoots up into the air. Right? There's all kinds of other possibilities we could imagine that are not the case. Mm -hmm. So these things are not absolutes. They're, they're things that are contingent. They're things that are, um, yeah, they're not certainties. And I would say that all, all of our knowledge is that way. Um, or at least all of our knowledge about facts in the world. Matters. Right? Matters, of, matters of fact. Yeah, as, as Hume puts it. So on one level, what I want to say is that prayer is not a special case by saying we don't have that kind of certainty. We don't have that kind of certainty really about anything that happens in the world. Nice. And I think that's okay. I don't think we need to have that kind of certainty to have reasonable and justifiable beliefs about things in the world. Every morning I wake up and I see the sunrise, I'm justified in saying the sun is going to rise again tomorrow. It might not, right? But, I, but I'm justified in holding that belief because it's, it's very, very likely that it's going to happen. And I don't have good reason to believe otherwise. Okay, so it sounds like then that there are some general reasons to to think that, you know, we're not certain about much of anything, so why should we be certain about, you know, when a prayer is efficacious? Are there any specific, like, prayer-specific reasons to think that maybe it's hard to know when a prayer has been answered? Yeah, I think this gets us into questions about God's reasons for doing certain things, right? So we said that one of the conditions for saying that something happened because we prayed for it is that God is taking that prayer into account as one of his reasons for doing that thing, right? So one of God's reasons for bringing about that state of affairs is that you prayed for it. But the problem is we, we can't know God's reasons as, as humans. <laughs> we can't know God's reasons for specific actions in the world that God does. So drawing a lot uh, of this or some of this from a paper by Brian Embry and he says he's talking about this this uh, hypothetical situation and he says we cannot know that God's bringing about your mother's recovery constitutes an answer to prayer rather than a coincidence not only can we ord not ordinarily know that God has answered a prayer but it seems we cannot even have any reason to believe that God has answered a prayer since we have no epistemic access to God's reasons for acting in the world so if we don't know why God does anything in the world, specifically, right, we might have a general idea about God's goodness, uh, the kinds of things God would do, but we don't know why God allowed that specific thing to happen. Then we don't really have a good, then we don't have a good reason to, or to know whether or not God has answered a prayer, 
or really even a good reason to believe God has answered a specific prayer. And this is concerning, at least for Embry. He says, if we have no reason to think that God answers our prayers, we have no reason to think God will answer our future prayers. Accordingly, we have no incentive to pray for things. And that seems like a problem. If we don't know God's reasons, then it seems like we don't know whether or not our prayers are ever actually being answered. Mm-hmm. So then I guess what's the motivation to keep praying if we don't know these specifics that you're talking about? Yeah, so I think we have motivation to keep praying. This, this general problem um, in Davison brings this up, and Embry's actually responding to this problem in Davison, and he calls it the reasons skeptical problem. And there are two sort of statements that are laid out here. The first is that for some prayer P, God has answered P. So this is statement A. So this is kind of the first problem we're talking about. How do we know God has answered a specific prayer? B, statement B, God answers prayers for goods that are contingent on prayer, which is sort of the general thing we came to, conclusion we came to last episode. God answers prayers to bring about certain goods in the world. And Embry argues that the reason skeptical problem undermines A, right? That it's, it's true, we can't, we don't know that for some prayer P, God has answered P. But it doesn't undermine B, that we can still know that God does answer prayers for goods that are contingent on prayer. Um, and because, as I said last episode, Patrick gave us good grounds for thinking that B is true, that God does answer these sorts of things. So while we can't be certain of any particular event is a result of our prayer, or that our prayer caused that specific event in the world, we can reasonably infer that God is answering our prayers in general. And I I will, uh, in a moment, I I think there will be cases where we can have a good, good reason to think that a certain outcome may have been the result of our prayers, even if we don't have certainty. And Embry gives us this uh, helpful analogy of what he calls a, a rich, mysterious benefactor. So he talks about this person who, who writes to you and says, you know, write to me, ask me anything. I have basically limitless resources and I'll do my best to grant all of your requests when I can. So you know that in general, this person is looking out for you. They're trying to meet your needs. They have the ability to meet your needs. And sometimes they're going to. But... You, when, when you ask for them. But you don't know, they're not corresponding with you directly to tell you, oh, I, I answered that one and not that one. So you don't know which requests are being answered, but you know that in general, some of your requests will be answered. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that, some, that when you see those things come about, you might have good reason to think your rich, mysterious benefactor helped bring about those things. Mm-hmm. So he says, knowing that your benefactor sometimes acts on your behalf, is therefore sufficient to recognize that some of your goods come from your benefactor. You depend on your benefactor for these goods, and so you have a sense of gratitude, and you recognize that you could not have had all the goods you enjoy without her help. And he says, knowing that your benefactor sometimes acts on your behalf is therefore sufficient to recognize that some of your goods come from your benefactor. It is not necessary to know exactly which prayers God answers. It is sufficient to have reason to believe that God answers some prayers for goods that are contingent on those prayers. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we could know um, from Scripture, for example, right? Because Scripture teaches that God answers prayers. And so we'd be in a position to say, all right, we know that God answers some prayers sometimes. 
even if we don't know which particular cases of things happening that were prayed for happened because they were prayed for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just to summarize that, basically the point of that was we we don't have this kind of absolute certainty of causal relationships to know that our our prayers are causing particular events in the world. Specific prayers are causing specific states of affairs. But we can know in general that God does respond to prayer and does bring about certain states of affairs because of our prayers. And that should give us reason both to keep praying because we know that some of the things that come about that we prayed for, when those things do come about, we have good reason to think that God is the one who brought them about and that our prayers are responsible for that, even if we don't know in advance or even know for certainty after the fact. But we have, we have a generally good reason and I think are justified in believing that those prayers are bringing about states of affairs. Right, so, say we know that God generally answers prayers, but do we have a... Do you think we can know, like, what kinds of prayers God might answer? Is uh, We're sitting down to pray. It might be useful to know, like, what kind of prayers... What kind of petitionary prayers are going to have a better shot at, uh, at getting answers? <laughs> so I've got a couple of different responses here. From scripture, we have examples of God not answering prayer for specific reasons. And I think we'll talk about this more on a future episode, but um, Paul asked for God to take away the sword in his side in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and God tells him, my grace is sufficient for you. So he's bringing about this good in Paul, which is his dependency on God, by in a sense not answering his prayer, or his answer to the prayer is, is no. So, in a sense, Paul's praying for comfort or something like that, right? He's praying for some way in which his life will be easier or better, and God is not making it better because there's some other thing that God wants to bring about, which is this deeper reliance and dependence on God and on his grace. So, we can see even in that case that there might be, um, yeah, a reason God wouldn't answer prayers for things like personal comfort or things that would just make our lives easier possibly what's going on there. Uh, James, in chapter 4, gives us some motivations on the behalf of the petitioner why God might or might not answer prayer. In chapter 4, verse 2, he says, You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So this seems to suggest that the prayer... um, the, the heart and the motive of the person who is petitioning has some effect on whether or not the petition is answered. So are we praying for things that are, and I, I think that the motives here, right, are the wrong motives that it may spend on our pleasures. So are these the kinds of things that God would bring about anyway, in a sense, right? Are we praying for the kinds of things that are in line with who we know of who God is from the rest of scripture? When you can, I think the, Jesus' analogy of a good father actually is helpful here. Because you might, you might have worried, like, oh, we have to pray to, for the kinds of things God was going to do anyways. Once again, brings us back into the problem of, well, if God was going to do it anyways, then why did we need to pray? Mm-hmm. Um, but the analogy of the good father is one where the good father wasn't necessarily going to give whatever gift it was to 
his child, but then the child comes and asks the father for a th- for a nice thing, and the father gives it as a response to the request, not because he was already planning on it. Now, if the child comes and asks for something that's bad for the child, or the father knows that the child's motives are corrupt, then the good father is not going to grant that request, right? Like, mm. So, yeah, I think it, I've, I find that analogy yeah. personally helpful for thinking about how it might be that our asking should be in line with God's character in some way, but it still might not be the case that whatever we're asking for makes no difference for what God was going to do or something like that. Yeah. So I think as we're thinking about this, and I, I want to actually like give a sort of encouragement actually out of this. I think there's some application here that if you want, if you do want to have greater evidence that God is answering your prayers to pray with specificity. So if you ask this question, is this something that might not have happened otherwise? Mm. And I think about it's, it's rained like five out of seven days in the last week in Massachusetts. So if I were to pray for rain for tomorrow, there's a pretty good chance that was going to happen anyway. Now, maybe it's going to rain. That's, wow, God answered my prayer. Well, yeah, but it hasn't stopped raining. <laughs> it's always raining. Now, say I'm out in the desert in Arizona, and it's the middle of summer, and now I pray for rain. Well, it's a lot less likely that rain is going to happen in Arizona in the summer. Does it happen? Yes, but very, very occasionally, and it's unusual. So I think when you think about if, if you want to see God answer specific prayers, you have to pray for specific things that wouldn't obviously just be coincidental. Otherwise, well, that, that thing would have happened anyway. You know? yeah, it does make sense. The point you're making is about uh, how specificity allows us to sort of, well, I guess it just makes it less probable if the event occurs mm-hmm. that it would have occurred yeah. without God's intervention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so if you pray for something very generic, then it's, much more probable that it would have occurred no matter what. But if you pray for something very specific, then it's, it's much less probable that it will occur no matter what, or that it would have occurred otherwise. Mm-hmm. Maybe a pithy way of putting it would be like this. The more specific the prayer, the bigger the coincidence it would have to be for you to get what you prayed for just by accident or for reasons independent of the prayer. Yeah. The bigger the coincidence, the worse that explanation is and a coincidence explanation Mm -hmm. versus a God answered your prayer explanation. Yeah. I like that. So a personal anecdote on this, um, when Isabel and I had first gotten married and we're doing some church ministry, we were fundraising our own salary, which we weren't very good at this. And it mostly just meant we didn't have any money. And the first summer, uh, or that, yeah, that, that summer, a, a childhood friend of mine was getting married. And my parents had offered to fly me home back to, to California for this wedding. And my wife really wanted to join me, but we couldn't afford it because getting to California is kind of expensive. So one day in the car, we're driving along and she just said aloud, if someone gave us $400, I could come to California with you. She really wanted to go. And of course this was just wishful thinking. Why would that happen? And only a couple days later, uh, we were having a small group at a friend's house, and in their uh, one-bedroom apartment, 
this friend who his grad grad student and wife and child living in a small one bedroom apartment on a grad student salary. And so we're, we're crammed into their little apartment and afterward they pull us aside and said, Hey, we really felt like God was leading us to give you this. And this friend hands us a check for exactly $400. Now we hadn't expressed this to anyone. We hadn't told anyone about this need. We hadn't told anyone about this trip or even the interest in going. And like I said, this friend is living on a grad student salary with wife and child in their small apartment and had never given us money prior to this or after this. This is just a one-time event within a couple days of this kind of random petition that wasn't even directly, wasn't even really directed as a prayer specifically. And so it was one, it was one of those moments where I, I thought, well, yeah, could this be coincidence? It could be, but it seems unlikely, right? It seems unlikely this would have happened anyway. It seems unlikely that, yeah, this amount, this person, this timing, that there are too many different variables at play that the probability of it happening not as a result of my wife's prayer seemed very, very low. Yeah. See, I think that you can know that that's not a coincidence. We were talking about, can you know with certainty that a specific prayer is answered? And we came to the conclusion that no, you can't know with certainty. But knowing with certainty and knowing, I think, are two different things. Mm. And I think you're right. You can't know with certainty that that was not a coincidence. But I think you know it wasn't. And the difference is just that knowing with certainty means being able to rule out every possible scenario in which it was a coincidence. You can't do that. Uh, yeah. But the chances that that was a coincidence are so small. <laughs> like, uh, it's just like so clear that that was God's provision for you and Isabel. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you believe it was. And, oh, it turns out it was. Mm -hmm. And you have good reason to think it was. And I think that's enough to know. Yeah. And I think in those kinds of situations, uh, you know, in, the, in situations that are like that, where you pray for something... And it's so specific and like God answers it and it's just very clear and the chances that it was a coincidence are very small that you can know. You mm -hmm. just can't know uh, with certainty. But who really cares about certainty? Like you were saying <laughs> earlier, we, we don't know very many things with certainty. Yeah. We know stuff about math and logic with certainty and not much else in our life. Mm -hmm. And you can go back to like the benefactor example you know, if you have this rich benefactor who's sending you gifts or whatever, there might be some situations where you're like something nice happens in your day and you're like, ah, I wonder if that was the benefactor and it's not really clear to you. Mm. And you're like, I think it might have been, but I'm just not sure. But then there might be some times when you like send the benefactor a letter and then there's like an immediate turnaround and I don't you're and like something huge happens and it's just like that was the benefactor. <laughs> like that, the chances that that was not the benefactor are so small uh, that it has to just be not worth even entertaining. Mm. That was clearly the benefactor. Uh, and yeah, you can't know with certainty in any of the scenarios, but in some of them, you just can't really know. You can sort of think about it, but you can't. Really, and in some of them, it's just obvious who was helping you out. Yeah. And I think prayer is probably more like that. Sometimes we pray 
things turn out the way we prayed for and it's hard to know. But then sometimes God just shows up in ways that are like pretty tough to, it's hard to deny that mm-hmm. that was God. Yeah. So my, I think the the application, the encouragement here is to pray more specific prayers. It doesn't guarantee God's always going to answer them. But the more specific your prayers are, I think the more obvious it will be and the more evidence you will have to know that, oh, that prayer is, that thing happened because I prayed for it. Like I said, in general, I think usually that isn't the case. Usually we don't know that kind of information. We, we don't have that kind of knowledge, which is okay. We can keep praying because we know that God in general answers our prayers. But if you pray for really, really specific things and you see those really specific things come about, that's really good reason to believe that God has answered that specific prayer. And I, I think that should encourage us to, to keep praying. I'm just thinking that what you just said kind of sounds to me like testing God a little, where like the, the specificity should be reasonable and like scriptural mm. or something, you know, mm. like not You're just like by about... 3 p.m. today, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> $25, yeah. you know. Um, That's a good point, yeah. But, so, so, so the specificity, the purpose of the specificity is not to test God, but like it's still in line with the desire to give God glory or... Mm, right. So it's yeah. got to be For motivated in the right yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. So you might be, it might be uh, that somebody prays generic prayers because they're afraid of finding out that their prayers aren't getting answered or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they're praying generic fears or generic prayers out of fear. Mm-hmm. And so they should pray more specific prayers because they should, they should pray for what they think needs to be uh, happening in the yeah. world. They should tell God what they, what they want. Like James says, you mm-hmm. don't get because you don't ask. But then it might be that some people are praying like if, that praying too specifically is bad because, oh, you're doing it from a bad motive. You're mm-hmm. praying to test God. And that's sort of part of the point of James, that James passage you brought up where your motive matters. Mm. So, yeah, praying specifically seems like a good thing, but only if you're doing it with the right heart. Yeah. Amen. All right, thanks again for listening to Mercy House University's podcast, Does Prayer Work? And we'll see you again next time for episode three.